For the Athletic Podcast Network, this is The Update. I'm Adam Copeland. On today's show, we'll talk to Melissa Lockard, who covers minor league baseball for The Athletic, specifically the A's and the Giants, about the kickoff of the minor league season, which started just about a week ago. About a week ago! The Giants have restructured their minor league system. Their high A team now up in Eugene, Oregon. The low A team has become the San Jose Giants, which means they'll have a much different looking system this year as they try to figure out which players climb the ranks of the minor leagues. Some of the best players in the minor league system are out in Richmond right now. Guys like Sean Jelly and Elliot Ramos. And some of the budding stars we've already seen at the big league level, guys like Patrick Bailey and Will Wilson, have started their seasons up in Eugene, Oregon. We can also talk about some of the depth that the Giants may be looking to tap into as this 20 2021 campaign goes on. All things we can discuss with Melissa Lockard, who joins me next. Today is Wednesday, May 12th. It is always fun when we get to check in with Melissa Lockard, who covers minor league baseball for The Athletic. And Melissa, you get a season to cover this year. I know you've spent the last couple of years doing some Giants and A's coverage, but how's it feel? Minor league baseball underway, AAA season officially started. We've got a couple of six-game series under our belts and the other levels of the minor leagues. Is it a little wonky for you? Is it funky with some of these teams sort of changing levels, changing leagues? We're now looking at high A up in Eugene, Oregon. You've got a Fresno team that's in single A. How's the start to the minor league season been for you? Melissa. Yeah, you know, it's funny. Uh, Kyle Haynes, when I spoke with him, the Giants farm director, he described it as sort of being like the twilight zone. And it kind of felt like that for me, too. You know, it was like I had to try to remember how I did this <laughs> exactly, you know, what the rhythm was, how we sort of approached our coverage. Um, and it, it seems like a million years ago that we were even in this sort of uh, rhythm, but it was really awesome, you know, to have four games going on at the same time that you would be following on the minor league level. And then, uh, you know, a game going on at the major league level for me, that's, you know, doubling at times two, which is great. And uh, yeah, I mean, the, the leveling is definitely very different. I think it's, it's been interesting to see um, how that high West has sort of started out as a league. Uh, you know, it's been a short season league, the Northwest League, for so long, um, and they haven't had games in May. And I think it'll even be more interesting next season when we have games in April, um, because obviously the weather is a lot different up there um, in the spring than it is in the summer. The Giants also have a little bit of a scheduling kind of uh, issue not issue but you know, sort of, yeah. yeah exactly where um you know the stadium of of uh, you know for eugene is the one that they share with the university of oregon and obviously their baseball season didn't used to overlap with the short season league but now there is some scheduling that kind of comes up from time to time but you know they'll all make do it's the minor leagues and these sort of things happen and i know the river cats hey, had a one of their alternate site days um where they couldn't practice on the field because there was like a marching band practice or something. So they're all very <laughs> used to these kinds of things. It's not exactly the big leagues, but it's been great to see everybody get off to, you know, pretty good starts. And I, I think you're going to see a lot of really positive things from the Giants this season. When I was a, a freshman in high school, we had a, a, a freshman team, a JV team and a varsity team. And obviously you've got one baseball field, so you can't make everybody hang around till like six o'clock at night to start practice. So we used to have to run two miles to start practice to like a field that was off off campus somewhere and our coach would drive alongside next to us and then we'd have to run the two miles back and that was just kind of the freshman deal that's kind of how it is in the minor leagues now right just sort of sort of making room for your team to play ball 
Absolutely. You know, and it, it's a little bit too like I think our softball team used to share a team with the soccer field. So occasionally, you know, you'd hit a ball and end up in a goal. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a lot of that. It keeps them humble, I guess. And when they get to the big leagues, they really know what to appreciate. Well, no complaining, I don't think, considering we didn't get the season last year. So you talk about having to remember how you cover this stuff. How has it been at the big league level? We've got Zoom calls, you know, scheduled every day, pre and post game. And you know which players you're going to talk to. The minor leagues is obviously a much different sport to cover just based on the you know the way the roster changes the way guys come up and down how players are used the rules in the minor leagues how has the coverage been for you and has it been easier or tougher to this point to kind of track some of these players since we had the alternate site and now they're out at their own camps yeah well it's definitely a lot better um, than when it was at the alternate sites there really wasn't a whole lot of information that was coming out of those camps i mean obviously the the scrimmage games between um, the a's and giants this last month there was a little bit more coverage because there were people that could actually watch them but for the most part the alternate site stuff was really just what organizations wanted to get out there which i think was fairly controlled you know it's a little state media kind of thing where you're only going to get good news and not a whole lot of bad news so you know this allows you to see all of you know the players and their um, you know actual abilities. Um, all the warts are out there for everyone to see. The really nice thing has been that. Um Almost all the levels now have MILB.TV feeds that you can actually watch these games if you know through their subscription service. It had been kind of slowly moving down from AAA and AA to now it's really in those high A and low A levels as well. So, in terms of being actually able to get eyes on these guys, you know, it's actually been really good so far this season. Some of the teams have also been allowing us to do some Zoom call interviews, which has been great. But generally speaking, you know, from my perspective, I can't be obviously four places at once or even five in some cases. I work the phone quite a bit calling coaches and players um, and and that won't change in this sort of uh, dynamic. In fact, in some ways it's a little easier because they can't go anywhere after the game so they have a lot more time to chat. So, you know, I imagine between that and the video it'll actually be a pretty good way to, to be able to cover them this season. Well, let's talk about some of these players. You know, we saw a lot of them in camp this year for the Giants. We saw, you know, a bunch of them over at that extended spring training side or the alternate team side. But I want to talk about some guys in the lower levels in just a minute here. But at AAA, some guys who we'll probably see at some point this year. Lamont Wade Jr. has been up at times already with the Giants, then went on the IL and got sent back down. Justin Bohr is down there in AAA. Jason Crizan was a guy who was kind of a hot player in the, uh, in the Cactus League for the Giants. Drew Robinson has been a huge story over the last year within the organization. Who for you as far as a Sacramento River Cat has stood out over the first, what is it, five games or so they've played to this point? It's just getting started, and, and again, it's it's a little weird, too, because they're playing uh, the Aviators, who are the A's AAA affiliate, and so, um, you know, a lot of these guys uh, have almost a month and a half of experience hitting off of the A's pitching, so it's a little bit difficult to judge exactly. It'll be interesting when they finally get a series against a different team, but Lamonte Wade Jr., you know, he's been working the count really well, which is what the Giants really liked about him when they acquired him. I think he's a really interesting player who I do think will end up factoring at some point into their sort of outfield mix especially in that center field area. And his plate discipline in particular has been, you know, really good. Thyro Estrada, who they picked up from the Yankees, an infielder, um, a little bit outfield experience too, but mostly as an infielder. He's been off to a red-hot start and certainly is a guy with his versatility and with Tommy Listella being out for a little bit, you know, could be someone who is of interest pretty quickly. And Jason Crazon's a guy I've liked a long time. You know, he doesn't have big league experience. He's not a veteran type that you would have heard a lot about, but he really works the count well 
very professional hitter, can kind of play all over the field. He even pitched um, in a game they sort of ran out of available pitchers at the end of a, a, a long 10-inning game against uh, Las Vegas on uh, Saturday night, and he ended up the losing pitcher when the ghost runner scored from second base. So um, he can kind of do it all. He's a very useful player, and um, you know I think they've got a lot of guys like that at, at the AAA level that could kind of help the depth as the season goes on. Melissa, did I hear you say a long 10-inning game? Is that where we are now? Is this what we're talking about? We can't be calling well, 10 inning games long now, right? Well, this one was 11 to 10. Um, uh, they uh, they gave up four runs in the bottom of the ninth inning to send it into extra innings. So I think it probably felt pretty long for for everybody on the bench there. Right. It's not just the uh, the number of innings. It's how many runs are given up in those innings. So good little breakdown on some of those players there. And when we're looking at the Giants coming into the start of the season this year, I think a lot of people were focused on some of the minor leaguers just because that's the next era of Giants baseball. I don't know that anybody anticipated a month into the season, five weeks into the season, the Giants would be atop the National League West. So now I'm kind of looking around and going, which pieces are going to be able to help them this year? And right now, the right-handed side of the bullpen probably been the weakest point for the Giants to this point in the season. We saw Zach Littell come up. He's been very good over the last week or so. But how about some of these other right-handers we saw in camp? Your Kervin Castro's, Tyler Sears, Shen Yamaguchi, Gregory Santos, who was up at one point and is now back down. What can you tell us about some of these middle relief arms? You got a taste of what Gregory Santos could do, both good and bad, in his time with the Giants. And I think, um, you know, obviously he's extremely young. Um, he only had really a handful of starts at the low A level before he got hurt uh, back in 2019. And so gaining experience, I think, is going to be the biggest key for him. But a dynamic arm, and, you know, by maybe midseason, if he's built up a little bit of AAA experience and kind of is able to mix his pitches a little bit better, I think could be a real X factor for them. Uh, similar with Kervin Castro, he is somebody who had not even actually played full season ball before this season so to jump all the way to AAA and even maybe make a big league debut is is pretty heady stuff for him usually has good command he's been off with his command so far in his two outings you know for the river cats and that might be something where it's a little bit of you know this is a big moment for a kid who hasn't had a chance to um you know, build up that experience in sort of the normal way that you would expect for most player development. So it may take him a little bit of time as well. But like Santos, and even like Camilo Duvall is obviously still up in the big leagues. You know, these are kind of big time arms that could really be back end of the bullpen kind of saviors for the Giants down the road, you know, those guys that you build a bullpen around. Uh, Tyler Sir is just a guy that just constantly has pitched well throughout his minor league career. He's off to another good start, misses bats. He doesn't have the explosive stuff necessarily, but he's a guy that hitters just don't square up that well. And um, I think he, he might be a very interesting guy to kind of work in there at some point pretty soon. Sean Yamaguchi, I think, has been mostly, he pitched five innings um, as sort of a, tailgate starter, however, uh, tandem starter with Scott Kazmir on Sunday. Um, so I think they're looking to have him sort of be stretched out and maybe be starting rotation uh, depth at this point. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Scott Kazmir is the next guy I was going to ask you about. He makes his first outing, I, I would say, you know, professionally in a professional game that wasn't spring training or the alternate team site. This guy was out of baseball for a number of years, and the Giants looked at him in a, in a showcase and thought, hey, maybe he can help us down the stretch. And I'm also looking at Tyler Beattie, a couple of guys who could be starters for the Giants, and they don't necessarily have a, a perfect five-man rotation. Johnny Cueto just back from injury. Logan Webb, we'll see what happens with him as Aaron Sanchez is on the IL. But these are two guys who, obviously, Tyler Beattie, a former first-rounder, coming off the injured list and off of uh, of Tommy John surgery last year. And then Scott Kazmir, who's been an all-star at times in the big leagues. What can you tell us about these two guys? 
Yeah, you know, Casimir, I think he got to be pretty pleased with his first outing. It was just three innings, but he really controlled the zone well. I talked to Garvin Alston, who's the AAA pitching coach there, um, just before the start of the season. And one of the things that they'd really been working with Casimir on is sequencing, which is kind of funny to think that, you know, here's a guy that pitched in the big leagues for more than 10 years, and he needs to rethink how he sequences his pitching. But a lot has changed since 2016 when he was last in the big leagues in terms of how pitchers approach hitters. So I think they're working with him on you know, getting comfortable with pitching backwards more, um, not necessarily, you know, throwing fastballs and fastball counts the way that they used to back when, you know, he was sort of at his heyday. But the stuff they said has been really good. It's been in that 94, 95 range with the fastball. He's still got the good secondary offerings. And they're also building him up in a kind of a responsible way, you know, to, to get that number of innings back. So he may not be an option for, you know, a few more weeks, but certainly somebody who with his experience and if the stuff is there, you know, he was a, a top end guy when he was healthy for a very long time. And in Beattie, I think, you know, again, a similar sort of progression. He had a 20 pitch limit in his uh, debut, only got through two thirds of an inning with 20 pitches. But, you know, you'll sort of start to see that build up. He'll probably get two innings in his next outing. And as he progresses on there, you know, they'll have to make a decision. Do you try to build him up and see if you can get him a starter workload by the end of this season? Or do you see if he could be kind of a guy that could help out on that right handed relief side of the bullpen? So it will be interesting to see but the fact that he's healthy and and out there you know really just a year from the surgery is a pretty exciting development I think for the Giants yeah and and some potential good depth for them as you mentioned as they get into the summer uh, the the middle months of the season the guts of the season where you really need that depth I can't let you go without a a couple of thoughts on uh, on some of the players in the lower minors and I know you know we've paid so much attention to Patrick Bailey was at the alternate team side and Will Wilson they're both off to pretty good starts down in uh, in single air I should say up in single a up in Eugene but how about the double a Richmond flying squirrels this is a team where I feel like the Giants of the World Series era Giants we didn't get a whole lot of love for the Richmond squirrels guys like Pablo Sandoval just completely jumped over it Tim Lincecum like spent a little bit of time in AAA and was in the big so quickly but guys like Elliot Ramos are out there right now Sean Jelly's out there Ramos is off to a great start I saw Sean Jelly in his first professional at bat drove in some runs which just looked hilarious for a guy who's six foot eleven who may may not even have the uh the option to hit when he gets to the big leagues but what's going on in Richmond and what can you tell us about Ramos and Jelly and maybe the opportunity to see them this year. It's sort of a weird thing where this year you're not going to see promotions straight from double A to the big leagues. They don't happen a ton, but they do happen from time to time in a normal year. But with the way the protocols are working, you know, the triple A guys are kind of kept within this sort of quasi-bubble that the big league teams have in terms of intake. And so they can kind of enter a big league um, roster, you know, pretty much immediately, whereas AA guys would have to, I think it's like a four-day quarantine before they would be able to enter in. So obviously that's not going to really work for teams that are looking to promote people. So when you see Elliot Ramos move up to AAA or Sean Jelly move up to AAA, that's when you know there's some thought that they might be, uh, you know, kind of on the cusp of being ready to get called up to the big leagues. But, you know, Ramos has just been this steadily outstanding player since last summer at the alternate site. Always been very talented, but he's also really put some polish together with that talent now working the count a lot better than he did before, using all fields. You know, he's a very dynamic athlete in addition to having big power, so he fields his position well. Uh, he's been running the bases well. Um, you know, staying healthy has always been a little bit of not major issues, but he's had little uh, nagging things from time to time, and he's been managing to stay healthy so far since, you know, the start of this spring. So, you know, he's a guy that I think uh, there's a lot of reasons to be very excited about, and uh, depending on how this season goes with the Giants and what they need, you know, could be there 
there by the end of the year. And with, you know, Sean Jelly, it's just sort of a matter of him getting those kind of upper level pitching experience, getting uh, stretched out a little bit. If you can be stretched out at <laughs> six foot 11, he's going to be sort of your sort of steady number three, number four type uh, starter when if he gets to reach his potential in the big leagues, a guy who can eat a lot of innings, be very reliable. Um, it seems like a guy that can be healthy and, sh- and shoulder quite a, you know, a big load for them. So he's kind of maybe not as like dynamic as say a, a Seth Corey or a, a Kyle Harrison in terms of pitching prospect a little bit down in that A ball level. But he's a guy that I think his floor is, is low, you know, he, he or is high. So he's a guy that's likely to reach what your sort of his potential is. And I think he'll settle into the Giants rotation, if not this year, maybe at some point next season. Yeah, maybe a Chris Young type for them at the back end of the rotation. Chris Young, the pitcher, not the, uh, right. not the center fielder, right? <laughs> who, who was a pretty good center fielder too? I see that swing, you know, maybe he could be Chris Young, the hitter too. <laughs> yeah, maybe he could. Good stuff. Melissa, uh, always great to follow you. Great to catch up. And, uh, and we'll make sure we keep reading you and following you on Twitter. I should put that out there at Melissa Lockard on Twitter. You're putting out stuff almost every single day, keeping us updated with these minor leaguers for the Giants and the A's. So thanks so much for the time. And we'll catch up with you when we get closer to, uh, to minor league all-star season. Awesome. Thanks, Adam. Good breakdown there from Melissa Lockard. She is all over this stuff. Make sure you give her a follow, as I said, at Melissa Lockard on Twitter. And make sure you read up on each one of these articles she's putting out. A great one out from her on Monday, Giants Minor League Notebook. She focuses a lot on Elliot Ramos and that 5-1 and one start for the Eugene Emeralds up in Oregon. Thank you to Melissa. Thank you to Brian. Thank you to you, the listener. If you're enjoying the podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe to us wherever it is you're listening. We've got some basketball to get to later this week. The NBA season wraps up its regular season campaign on Sunday. Warriors still battling for an opportunity to play in that 7-8 game in the first round of the postseason. They'll wrap up their season on Sunday, so we'll talk about their final two games on Friday. Until then, enjoy the week. We'll talk to you then.